Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues on in the Bible series on the Book of Romans with this message entitled, Can Mosaic Law Save Us? If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 7, verse 7. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Let us pray, Heavenly Father. The brightness of your glory as revealed in the word when it is preached. It blinds those who pretend to see and enlightens the blind. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help me to declare the gospel with power. Declare the gospel fearlessly. That the gospel may do its work by the Holy Ghost. It gives life to the dead. But it kills those who think they are alive. The gospel is the fragrance of life and the stench of death. The same gospel. It heals and it kills. It causes someone to say amen in the power of the Holy Ghost. And the same gospel makes a person angry. Help us, O Lord, to be gripped by you through the gospel. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Romans 7, 7 through 13. The question, is the law sin? And he deals with this question in this scripture. And I'll tell you why such a question arose. Have you noticed this? All sinners are happy sinners. As long as God's Holy Spirit is not convicting them through God's law. You ask them, your father, your mother, your uncle, your neighbor. How are you doing? Fine, fine, the answer. Everything is going fine. But the truth is they are dead men walking without any concern about their standing before a holy God. Fine, they say. Marriage is working out splendidly. I'm doing fine at work. My children are doing fine at the university. One is in Harvard. My retirement fund is growing. Health-wise, I have no problem. I hope to live for a long time and enjoy this good life, great health and extension of my life. Fine. Everything is fine. This is what the rich fool of Luke 12 said. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded of you. There was a time when Saul of Tarsus lived such a carefree, free, happy life. He says, without the law, sin was dead. Without the law, I was alive once, but When the law of God came to me, sin revived and I died. There was a time when God was not convicting Saul of his sin. 
by the application of God's law. Then he felt fine. He said concerning the righteousness of the law, perfect. He said, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. How are you doing, Paul? Fine, fine. I asked today, how are you doing? Fine. In Romans 7, 7 through 13, Paul is vindicating the law. The Mosaic law. The Ten Commandments. Why? Because he said many negative things about the law so far. Such as, the law cannot justify. Romans 3 verse 20, the law cannot sanctify. Romans 7, 1 through 6, the law increases sin. Romans 5 verse 20 and chapter 7 verse 5. He said believers are not under law but under grace, 614. He said believers have died to the law in the death of Christ to be united to Jesus Christ so that we can bring forth fruit to God. Chapter 7, 4 and 6. He said through the law comes knowledge of sin. Chapter 3, verse 20. And he said the law cannot restrain or curb sin. But it does the opposite. Such a negative teaching about God's law could cause one, especially a Jew, to ask the question, What are you saying, Paul? Is God's law sin? Because you remember, Judaism misunderstood the design and purpose of law. They thought the law was given to give them life. And he makes reference to that in this particular text. So is the law then sin? That's the question. In chapter 7, 7 through 13, Paul exonerates, he vindicates the law. He also shows the relation of law to sin and death. Oh, no most hamartia. That's the question. The law sin. The law sin. Unthinkable, the answer. Here, Christian Paul is looking upon his life before his conversion when he was under the conviction of sin brought about by God's law applied to his heart by the Holy Spirit. Probably after his encounter with the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, especially when as a blind man he was fasting and praying for three days in Judas's house on Straight Street in the city of Damascus. On Damascus Road he came to see that the law was a false way of salvation. That he totally misunderstood the design and purpose of God's law. That it was not a saving power. 
For God's very design for the law was that through the application of law, sin might become utterly sinful, utterly foul, that man might turn to Christ alone for salvation. The law is given, friends, to unmask sin, that it be shown in its true color of utter deception and Distraction and foulness. The law when applied to the sinner by the Holy Spirit. When Holy Spirit convicts the sinner of his sins. It bursts his self-esteem bubble. And he cries out. I am all unrighteousness. Have mercy upon me a sinner. I am a wretch. I am blind. I am lost. I am dead. God's law is not given to boost our self-esteem, but to bust it. Professor Morris says, So Paul is speaking from the standpoint of a convinced Christian and telling us from his own experience what happens to any sinner who is confronted with the law. Only in the light of God's law, one sees sin as it actually is. It is sin against God himself. So Paul vindicates the law. He says, it is not sin, unthinkable. So let us look at the nature and function of God's moral law. Paul was aware of the fact of sin... But he was not aware of the real nature and power of sin until the Holy Ghost convicted him, cut him to the heart, especially by the 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet. Judaism thought only outward deeds like adultery and murder are sin, not inward lust and anger. But the 10th commandment says, evil lust itself is sin. Jesus said so, Matthew 5, 27 and 28. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lusting after her has already committed adultery in his heart, and God knows our heart. The law shows we commit sin by transgressing God's law. When you have evil desire for things belonging to another, or things which are evil, you transgress the tenth commandment. You sinned in your heart against God. And God knows the heart. This evil lust shows you rebel against God himself. You are not content with God and his, what he ordained for us. You want to possess. You want to grasp. You are self-focused, which is perversion. It is the opposite of love. Wanting is the opposite of love. You are greedy. And greed is idolatry. It shows a lack of contentment in God. 
And that is the very heart of worldliness. The things of the world will make me more happy than just God and his presence. This 10th commandment destroyed Paul's self-righteousness. He had to admit he lost it sinfully multitudes of times. Though never stole, murdered or committed adultery he would say. Once he thought he was blameless. Now he is convinced that he was blameful. The law revealed his sins to him. He was a sinner and had committed multitude of sins in the heart. Yes, the law is not sin. The law reveals our sin. That is sin nature and our many sins. If you are chemist, it's a reagent that identifies the very presence of sin. The nature of law. Number two is what the law provokes sin. Stimulates sin. It functions as a catalyst aiding sin. That one may sin more and more and more. Sin through the law creates a a surge of rebellion in our hearts against God and against his agents. Sin is enmity toward God. A sinner is an enemy of God. Our sin nature twists God's law that we may do more sins. In this sense, God's law provokes and stimulates sin. St. Augustine, when he was 16 years of age, he and his teenage friends at night went to his neighbor's field, shook a pear tree and stole all the pears. And then he analyzed later on, why did he steal? He was not hungry. He had lots of pears at home. He threw the stolen pears to the pigs. Why then did he steal the neighbor's pears? And he answers to enjoy the excitement and thrill of stealing. Because God said don't steal. The commandment don't steal stimulates and provokes stealing due to our sin nature. Sin twists God's law and use it for evil purposes. And you have seen it. You tell the kid don't do it. And he wants to do it again and again and again. And then you direct your son to do something. He doesn't want to do it at all. This is real thing, not imaginary anything. Sin nature is real. And God's law stimulates and provokes us to sin more and more. Number three, the nature of law. The law condemns sin. Verse 9 through 11. I was alive once without the law. But when the law came to me, sin revived and I died. The law condemned me. Now you doctors, you know this illustration. 
Somebody is very happy and no problem at all. He comes for a routine checkup. He's happy, sir. How are you doing? Fine, fine. He's very happy and, and all of a sudden, the doctor is serious. And he says, you have terminal cancer. That is the idea here. He was happy, St. Paul. No problem at all. He thought he was righteous, pleasing God, keeping the law. Happy, fine. How are you doing, Paul? Fine. I'm fine. My father is fine. My uncle is fine. Everybody is fine. And then God, the doctor, confronted him with the law. You have what, sir? Terminal cancer. When the law came, sin revived, and what? I died. So a lot of people are fine, sir, but they are dying, and they have no clue. And God in his mercy will tell them when you hear the preaching of the gospel. That's why don't go to a church where the whole Bible is not preached. Because God uses the preaching of the law to bring conviction of sin. There was a time when Paul, like the Pharisee of Luke 18, and like the rich young ruler, thought he was living a righteous life. That he needed no savior. He needed no atonement. He was perfect. Then it happened, Holy Spirit through the law, cut his heart. Holy Spirit convicted him of his sins. And he died. No longer alive in his self-esteem and self-righteousness and self-approbation. He died. He became all unrighteousness. He knew he was a wretched sinner. Once he felt very righteous, though he was killing Christians, now he died. Listen to his, his own evaluation, true evaluation of himself when the Holy Spirit came upon him. First Timothy chapter 1, beginning with verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor, a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me the worst of sinners. Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. It is, the law is the straight edge that shows how crooked 
our heart is. Acts 2.37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the others, brothers, what shall we do? John 16.8, when he comes, the Holy Ghost comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin. And in 2 Samuel, Nathan said to David, you are the man. And he said, I am the man. I have sinned. See, until then, how are you doing, sir? Fine, fine. I wish your father fine. When God is not working in our hearts through his law, when God is not convicting us, sinners seem to be all happy. How are you doing, Mr. Sinner? Fine, just fine. Once Paul felt that way, he was alive. But when the law came home to him, he died. The law condemned him. He cried out, have mercy upon me, a sinner. The law was God's way of bringing sin to a head before its power is broken by the stronger grace of God. I read a story. Dr. Gerstner was preaching in a church and at the end, a sophisticated lady came to him. And she showed him her index finger and thumb half an inch apart. You made me feel like this much. Dr. Gershner said, that's much too much. (laughs) It will take you to hell. Number four, the law strengthens sin. He dunamistes hamartias honomos, says St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 56. The sting of death is sin, the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. The law cannot break the power of sin. When you are a legalist depending on law to justify you and sanctify you, you can only sin, sin, sin. Because in a sinner, law gives power to sin. Every time you hear, don't fornicate, you want to fornicate and you fornicate. No, sir, you need Holy Ghost. You need to be born again. The law gives power to sin. More dependence on law means more sins, means more guilt, means more condemnation. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord by his death and resurrection. So through Christ we died to sin and we died to the law. Set free from sin and law. We are united to Christ, saved forever by his life. And by the power of the Spirit, we delight in God's law and bring forth fruit to God. Number five, the law points us to Christ. Romans 10.4 says, 
Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Galatians 3.19, what then was the purpose of the law? It was added to define transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred to had come. Sir, the law only condemns us. The law kills us. The Lord destroys our self-esteem and self-righteousness that we may look to Christ to justify, sanctify, and glorify us through his death and resurrection. The law kills us that Christ may raise us up from the dead. And number six, the law for us who are God's people reveals God's will. Romans 13, 8 through 10, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law, the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. The law is God's objective standard. God doesn't use your subjectivism to define sin. You must measure yourselves in the light of the objective standard, God's law. For a believer, the law tells us what pleases God. That we may do the law by the power of the Holy Spirit. A believer is born again. He is given a new heart, a new nature. He is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He does not hate the law. He delights in God's law. He meditates on it. He does the law and glorifies God. He does all things to the glory of God. Through the power of the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, we fulfill the law. Sinner is lawless because sin is lawlessness. But a believer is lawful. He is not an antinomian. He is pronomian. Love fulfills the law. If you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments. Number seven. Law was never given to save us. It was a misunderstanding. And that misunderstanding is here. Verse 10 of chapter 7. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life. You can put quotation mark. It was the understanding of Judaism. That you can be justified through the law. But what I said it was never given to save us. It was a misunderstanding of Judaism and St. Paul. Romans 3.20 Therefore no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Romans 5.20 The law was added so that trespass might increase. Not to save us. Romans 8.3 What the law was powerless to do because of our sin nature. Galatians 3.21 Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life. The truth is it was not given 
to impart life. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for your law. Without your law, we would have sunk in our subjectivism. But thank you for that objective divine standard that shows clearly the crookedness of our heart and our self-justification. So we praise you and thank you for the law. And help us, O Lord, uh, to understand the true purpose and function of your law. And as your people, born of God people, spirit-indwelt people, help us to delight in the law of God and make it our glorious purpose to fulfill the law and thus bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio of this message entitled, Can Mosaic Law Save Us? Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.